Have the go ye kids, go ye. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm 3. Psalm 3 and just eight uh, short verses in this song. And uh, this Psalm of David. And if you have the uh, titles printed in your Bible, this says, The Security of God's Protection, a Psalm of David. When he fled from Absalom, his son. And uh, that certainly puts this psalm in a context that would be very different. Um, That was probably uh, some of the dark, definitely, not probably, some of the darkest days in David's life. And and, uh, let's just read through the psalm, then we'll come back and try to pick up the highlights here. It says, Lord... How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, There is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for Thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon Thy people." Now, certainly, if uh, knowing the history of David and Absalom will help you see the picture that is being painted here in this psalm, and uh, it seems to break itself up very simply into four two-verse couplings there. And so, as we look at this psalm, first he talks about my enemies. Um, Certainly... Uh, this was something, I mean, David uh, was not an ignorant man. He was not unaware. But if you remember reading in, in uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, where it tells the story, uh, one of his counselors comes in and he says, the hearts of Israel are after Absalom. And David immediately says, pack up the palace, pack up the people, let's flee because... Absalom will come upon the city of Jerusalem and he'll kill every living person in the city. I mean, David understood some things. But it was more than a year that Absalom had been working on the people of Israel. You remember how that he stood in the gate and as people came in, he would say, what, what is your cause before the king? And he says, Joe Smith stole my property and, and, uh, and the uh, local uh, judge will not do anything against it. And I've come to plead to the king. And Absalom says, you have a great case, sir. The next guy that came in through the, uh, the gate, well, and then he finished it by saying, but there's, the king doesn't have anyone to hear your case. Court's not in session today. I guess he's on vacation. 
If I were the king, I would certainly straighten out your problem and send him away. Well, guess who comes in the gate five minutes later? Mr. Smith. And he's talking about Mr. Jones, who had just left Absalom's presence and how rotten he was and how that he was the one trying to steal his land. And Absalom looked at him and says, Man, Mr. Jones, I mean, Mr. Smith, you got an incredible case. That Mr. Jones is such a rascal. But you know something? The king is not hearing any cases today. And all the time, David was sitting there waiting to hear things happen and wondering why no one was coming to the king for judgment. But Absalom was stealing the hearts of the people of Israel. David... Sometimes we turn a willing, blind eye to problems because we just don't want to deal with them. David grieved over Absalom's state of heart. He, he prayed for him, I am sure, every day. Even when Absalom rebelled against him, he called his generals in and said... You deal gently with Absalom. I don't want him killed. And of course, Joab knew the only way to solve the problem. That was to kill Absalom, and he did. But David all of a sudden wakes up. And he says, he's saying in his heart, what a fool I've been. I have not dealt with this thing, and... And part of David's problem was David had sinned in his own life and he felt like it was wrong for him to judge the life of Absalom. Now see, David had caused the death of Uriah by the hand of the, uh, the, uh, the Ammonites And Uriah was killed, and David took his wife, and now Absalom had caused the death of his brother Amnon. And David said, listen, God forgave me of my sin. He'll forgive Absalom of his sin. But, you know, that's not the way it always works, my friend. Absalom was a willful murderer. And refused to be judged for his sin. And now David wakes up and he says, the whole nation is against me. Now David had been here before. When he was Saul's son-in-law, his reward for killing Goliath was to be made Saul's son-in-law, to be made the captain of the host of Israel. And then Saul's jealousy set in, and David was running for his life and being hunted uh, by Saul, and, and mischief was practiced against him, the Bible says. And so David, as he is established in the kingdom and things are, are, are going well, all of a sudden he says, how are they increased that trouble me? You remember David's great cry that day? They said, Ahithophel, your dearest and your best counselor is giving Absalom direction. 
And David prayed. He said, God, you've got to turn Ahithophel's counsel. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, he said, give me 10,000 men. He says, I'll kill David tonight and it'll all be over. And if Absalom's counsel had been followed, that would have been the end of the situation. But you see, Absalom had not counted on one thing. God. And as we look at this psalm, if you can just hear the despair of David's soul as he begins, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. This whole idea of rising up is people that were under David's direction and under David's authority. And all of a sudden now they're standing up against David. Ahithophel, many of David's other counselors. You have the story of Shimei, the descendant of Saul, as David is leaving Jerusalem. He, he comes down by the road and he throws dust and pebbles and stones at David and his men and curses them and, 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 and accuses David of many things that just simply were not true. And we look here. And he gets to the great point of his sorrow just before he introduces the pause or the sila in there. Uh, the word, the best that we can come up about this, uh, uh, an understanding of the word sila is stop and think about it. Stop and ponder this point. Stop and, and let it sink in, we might say today. And so as David is saying here, he says, Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. You know what they're saying? They're saying, David, God's not going to help you this time. We have you right where you want. And did you notice that he uses the word many twice, once in each verse? Many are risen up. Many are saying, listen, David, there is no help. God has forgotten you this time. That's one of the devil's greatest lies. And David says, I just want you to stop and think about where I am right now. This was his song. This was a remembrance of these events in David's life, something that he had written down for the children of Israel to rehearse and to think about. And so now we understand where David is. He wakes up out of the stupor, out of the, um, the, the sleep that he had allowed in his mind and in his understanding of the deceit of Absalom. And he realizes that the hearts of, of the entire nation have turned against him as king. And David says, their cry is, not even God is going to help you this time, David. Now, David, as we know, was the man after God's own heart. And to hear these words, I mean, you couldn't imagine his own son trying to kill him. But that wasn't the worst. 
the worst was that these people had judged David apart from the grace of God. And yet David in his own mind and in his own heart knew that it was his choices and his behavior that had brought all of this on his head. It was Nathan that had told him, the sword is not going to depart from your house. Things had changed in David's kingdom. Yes, he had those few moments of pleasure with Bathsheba, but he had spent much, much more time trying to cover it up. And now, he had sown the wind and he was reaping the whirlwind. And he says, my enemy said, there's no help of the Lord. Then we come to verse 3 and it says, but. I always love that little conjunction in there. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. David says, I want you to stop and think about this. My situation is hopeless, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Stop and think about that for a few moments. See, David takes us into the pits of despair. He said, but that's not where God leaves his children. He said, but thou, O Lord, in a shield. A shield is something to hide behind. A shield is something that absorbs and deflects the, the blows of the enemy. That which would be deadly is now rendered harmless because of the shield. That's, that's what a shield does, amen? That's why soldiers don't carry shields anymore. They ride in them. An armored vehicle. It deflects the blows of the enemy. Uh, during Fleet Week, uh, we, I took the kids down and, and, and we went through some of the vehicles and they had the regular Humvees there. And, and uh, you... You pulled the door open. It was just canvas stretched over a steel frame. And we went on a little further. Then they had an armored Humvee. I mean, it was unbelievable. That door, the door, the driver's door had to weigh 500 pounds. I mean, it took effort for me to swing the door on the hinges so little Jason could climb up in there and go broom, broom, broom. Uh, He thought that was really cool. The glass was that thick. There, there was protection in that one. So I, I didn't like that first one that much, but I, I like that second one. That armored one, now, I, I'd be interested in finding one of those used somewhere to put around in, in the wilderness and drive up some old country roads. It wouldn't matter what you hit. You just hook up the winch and pull yourself out and keep right on a going. Uh, David said, 
The Lord is my shield. What the enemy would do to me, he cannot do. Because I'm protected. I've got something to hide behind. And then he says, my glory. Now, David had sinned against the Lord. That, that word glory has the idea of a shadow, uh, a reflection. We were walking down the street the other day, and I can't remember whether it was Joey or Jason holding hands. And he says, look how tall I am, Daddy. I'm taller than you are. And his shadow was stretching out. And uh, he was talking about how big his shadow was compared to how big he is. Well, that's glory. It's glory is what you brag about. We call our flag, O Glory, don't we? Because there's a lot of good things about that flag, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of bad things too. But there's no bad things about my Lord. He is my shield. What did Paul say? If I'm going to glory, what am I going to glory in? I'm going to glory in the cross. I'm going to glory in what my Savior has done. I'm not going to be considering what I can do myself. I'm considering what God can do and what God will do for me because of His promises. See, David still had the promises of God. What had God told David? He said, I'm going to set you up on a kingdom and, and there's not going to be any end to your posterity to those that come after you. That really wouldn't be true if Absalom killed David and usurped the throne, even though Absalom was David's son. That would not be a true fulfillment of that prophecy. David expected to be returned to Jerusalem. In fact, when he was returned to Jerusalem... And, and Shimei came up and said, Forgive me, king, for all of my foolish statements. And, of course, Joab's brother there was saying, Can't we just take off this dog's head? And what was David's response? Do I not know that I am the king this day? Now, I paraphrased that a little bit. But, see, David said, He's my glory. He's promised me some things. And even though I am laying here in the depths of despair, even though my enemies are multiplied against me, even though those that I trusted and were with me have risen up against me, even though they can pass me about and say that not even God can help me right now, he said, he's still my shield. He is my glory I'm not trusting in me. You know, we get in trouble so many times because we try to defend ourselves. We try to protect ourselves. We try to do something that will make people think better of us. 
Let me tell you, if you really want protection, stay behind the shield, the cross. Glory in what Jesus has done, because there's no good thing that you have done that he did not give you the faith and grace to accomplish. Amen? Are we still together here? Because then he goes on a step further. He says, And the lifter up of my head. Have you ever been discouraged? And I mean just worn out? And bordering on hopeless? How do you walk when you're like that? He said, he's the lifter up of my head. God is not going to allow me to look at the dirt if he's my glory. Amen? God is not going to allow me to live in despair If I'm hiding behind Him as my shield, if He is my glory, He's going to lift up my head. I can't go walking around like I've lost my last friend when He who loves me better and more and greater than any other human being can is walking right beside me. David said, He's a lifter up of my head. And then what does it say in verse 4? He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. He says, I want you to stop and think about this. He says, I pray God heard me. You can say all you want that there's no help for me in God, but I'm telling you, he's heard my prayers. And I'm not going to go around with my head hanging down anymore. I'm going to look up. Because He's my glory. He's my shield. And if He doesn't protect me, no one or anything else can. But I have His promise that He said He would. Amen? So can you see how David takes the first verse of this song, we might say, and just gets you to the point to where you say, it can't get any worse. And then we go, but how can it get any better? God heard my prayer. And then we get to verse 5. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. You know, one of the hardest things to do when you have a lot of stress in your life is get a good night's sleep. You know what? You can lay down and you can rest, but you don't get any rest. How many of you have been there? You've done that. David said, listen. He lifted up my head. He's my glory. He's answered my prayer. I lay down. I rested in Him. And oftentimes, I'll go through this because it's it's something that is out there constantly. This idea that 
Well, the Christian is supposed to keep the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath day and hasn't disappeared. And that, that is correct. The Sabbath day is every day for the Christian. Are you resting in the Lord? Are you able to lay down and get a good night rest? Or are you taking the burdens of this life with you to sleep every night? You know, God has created sleep to refresh you. It's a time... And sometimes people will, uh, they'll, they'll say, well, uh, I had all kinds of crazy dreams. What's happening? Uh, was it a busy day? Oh, yeah. Did you eat a lot of crazy food? Oh, yeah. Did you dream a lot of crazy dreams? Oh, my. Of course, you know, you want a really good recipe is a hamburger, anchovy, and mushroom pizza with a vanilla milkshake. You will see things in your night visions that you never thought possible, if you can get it down. But let me tell you something. Your dream life, if you'll let it be, is just your brain taken out the trash. Don't go picking through the trash. Sometimes it's best to ask God, help me not remember my dreams. Help me not concentrate on those things. You know why? Because God doesn't want you concentrating on that. He wants you concentrating on Him. And David is saying, listen, that second verse, raise me up out of the pits of despair. I got a good night's sleep. In fact, I woke up on time. You know why? Because God sustained me. He restored my soul, if we want to borrow the words from Psalm 23. Amen? Then we get to verse 6, and David says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Now, under normal circumstances, I would say verse 6 is a class 1 characteristic of someone who deserves the sobriquet, stupid If you're all by yourself and 10,000 people are coming after you and you say, I'm not going to be afraid, that's not very bright now, is it? It's like the little boy. I don't want to. You're going to. No, I'm not. Do your worst to me. Okay, let's take care of that. I can change attitudes pretty quick, you know. That belligerent spirit, that's devilish. David is not being a petulant child here. He is not doing this Remember the campaign, Hope and Change? I've just wanted to grab a hold of one of these brainless wonders, and what were you hoping in? I mean, I was hoping the change would be left, but I don't have any in my pockets. How about you? I mean, this is crazy. Government is going to solve your problems. I cannot tell you how many hours 
Uh, we do have some good news, though. It was less than a month ago. I finally resolved the last billing issues from Stephen's uh, uh, appendix surgery last February. And I mean, I'm on the phone, I'm filling out grievance forms, I'm writing letters, I'm going back and forth. Well, we're, we have to work on it. And, and, and I mean, it was just a total nightmare. This Obamacare stuff is great. I'm going to die of stress because of all the care I'm getting. And we don't even have Obamacare. We got it outside the network. Just... As a form of protest. But let me, let me get back to the subject here. You can get so wrapped up in all this stuff. And I, I just love these brilliant people who get up and say, I'm going to stand against the government. I'm going to give them what for. And oh, be my guest. I've heard people say, we need to get a new Supreme Court that will do things right. Hey, you know, some of those people worked with Ronald Reagan. Uh, Roberts, Chief Justice, he was in the Reagan Justice Department. And yet, he was the one that wrote the decision for sodomite marriage. You're not going to solve the problems that way. Don't be the petulant child. David here is not being a little jerk by saying, I'm not going to be afraid of 10,000 people. The only thing I have to fear is fear itself. If you ever saw the old Abbott and Costello, Jack and the Giant... As he's singing there, I'm not afraid of anything until he runs into the giant. Then he's really afraid. That, that's what we do. That's not what David is doing here. You see, David says, God heard my prayer. And I'm resting in God. And if God brings an army of 10,000 to circle me about, I'll still trust in God. If God wants to take me home, He can. But you know something? He promised me that I would be king. And that my son would sit on the throne rightfully after me. And his son after him. And of course we know the ultimate fulfillment is in the son of David, Jesus Christ who will rule and reign for a thousand years, and of His kingdom there will be no end. David was not being a jerk here. David was saying, My hope is in the Lord who gave... And I won't try to bore you with my singing, but... Who gave himself for me. If he would not withhold his son, what would he withhold from you? If God would give his own son, what wouldn't he give? I, I've had people say, I, I just don't feel love. Hey, you haven't read your Bible, my friend. 
He is my glory. He's a lifter up of my head. And because He is, I have nothing to fear. Because Jesus put it this way. Don't fear Him that can kill the body. Fear Him that after the body's dead can cast the soul into hell. That's who you ought to fear. And so then David takes it up even a step further in this last verse. He says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for Thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon Thy people. Stop and think about that for a moment. Incredible little song here, amen. David said, I was taken to the depths of despair. They tried to deprive me of my hope even in God. But it didn't work. Because he's my shield. I hid behind my Savior. He deflected the blows of mine enemies and rendered them harmless. Though there was a world of hurt in what David had to go through, it never stopped him from being the king. Amen? He said, he's my shield. He's my glory. I'm, if I have anything good to say, if you have anything good to say, let it be about Jesus. Amen? Let it be about what He has done. And David said, He's the lifter up of my head. I just can't go around all sad sack and, and in despair because i got a Savior. He's heard my prayers. And because He has, I haven't a care in the world. Now, did David have a burden upon him? Yes. There was still a battle to fight. There was all of these things that had to be fulfilled. And even after Absalom was dead and he was restored to the kingdom, you still had Sheba, the son of Berchi, uh, arise against him and try to follow in Absalom's footsteps. And, and, and I mean, there was, there was trouble there. But David said, The Lord has smitten all of mine enemies upon the cheekbone." And you know, Joab had gotten the army together and surrounded the city in which Sheba was. And an old lady, one of the grandmothers of the city, called over the wall and said, Why are you trying to kill us all, Joab? And Joab said, I'm not trying to kill you. He says, I got one guy I'm after. She said, What do you want? His head. Within the hour... Plop, over the wall, Joab had what he wanted. The insurrection was over, and there was peace in the kingdom. Not a pleasant process, my friend. Sin always has consequences. Sin always brings problems. But my Savior is bigger than my sin. 
He is bigger than your sin. Salvation belongs to Him. There is no reason why Jesus should save you or He should save me. This is one of the problems I have with the Calvinist. Is He tries to explain God's salvation through this perverted understanding of election. That God chose some to go to heaven and chose others to go to hell. No. Salvation belongs to God. And He has said in His Word, Whosoever. Why does He save one and not save another? Whosoever. I'll, I'll let God take care of that. I'll not try to explain it. I like to bring up the argument if he could stop by the city of Jericho for Rahab the harlot. Certainly he's concerned about your soul. Some of you remember old Karma. He wasn't old. He was a young man. He's a Buddhist monk. And for months and months and months we would meet on a fairly regular basis and just go through the Bible. He got it. One of his complaints was, I can't see how God would save some and not save others. And I said, now, wait a minute, Karma. I said, God brought you the whole way from Nepal and put you in a bagel stand where two of our men who drive cabs, drive car service, buy their bagels for breakfast every morning. And they gave you a gospel track and they witnessed to you and God brought you in here and we're opening this book called the Bible and explaining to you what it says. What more could God do to save your soul than that, my friend? He said, God didn't call you to worry about the whole world. But He's certainly going to hold you in account for what you do with your soul. Well, he says, well, that helps me understand better about Christians. Listen. Salvation belongs to the Lord. But His blessing is upon His people. All you have to do to become His people. Say, yes, Lord. That's what Paul said on the road to Damascus, wasn't it? He said, who are you? Jesus told him, what will thou have me do, Lord? It was there. Jesus said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, didn't he? He said, that was the prayer of the publican. That's all you have to do. To be his people. Incredible little song here, is it not? You can't help but thinking as the leader of Israel's music, David is thinking in his heart. He says, boy, I'm going to get them depressed on this first verse. I'm going to bring them down to the point to where they're weeping 
And then we're going to stop and think about that for a minute. And then I'm going to start building. And the crescendo is going to rise until where we get reach the end. Everybody's going to be lifting their hands in praise to the God of heaven. Can you see that? Can you follow that through the words? I, I love music. You can say things with notes that cannot be said even with words. Well, David is using words instead of notes. And he is building up to this great crescendo. His blessings are upon his people. And that's why Absalom can not prosper. That's why those that turn against the Lord cannot win. Oh, they claim they've won. I heard one of the news reports. It said, uh, this man said, Now, we are married in the eyes of all people in the United States. I'm sitting there, not yelling at the radio. Not in mine! I'm not giving that up. My God hasn't changed. Neither has His Word. But you know something? I'm not going to go out on the street and just pick a fight with you over that issue. Because what I want to do is give you a gospel track. And pray that you'll receive the truth that is in it. Amen? And I'm just going to keep doing what God has called And guess what? When it comes time to go to bed tonight, I want to go to sleep. I'm not going to take all the worries and all the problems of this world to bed because I can't solve them. But he already has. He's my shield. He's my glory. He's the lifter up of my head. He's already won the battle. The enemy has already been defeated. Read the book of Revelation. I'll keep serving him and all God's people said. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We want to thank and praise you for who you are and what you've done. We want to thank and praise you for being the lifter up of our heads, for being our shield. Lord, that... We don't have to chant the rhymes of the petulant and and be absolutely absurd and ridiculous in our assessment of life. But Lord, we can trust You and we can know they can't win because You already have. Lord, let us sing that song of praise. Let us glory in the cross of our Savior. Let us serve you with gladness in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we won't have the music tonight. We'll just give you an opportunity, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, to slip out and spend a few moments at the altar. And then we'll get into our prayer time.